Yeah, it's been a long time uh, since I've spoken from the front, but I, I just thank God for the opportunity. And, you know, God's been doing a lot of really great things. And, um, you know, I, uh, in, in case you don't know, I am in a, um, I am a professor at Virginia Tech, and I, it's relevant. I'm not trying to boast or anything. That's not my point here. I'm a professor in the Department of Geological Sciences, and I'm going to be talking about time and age today. Um, so... Uh, I have some, I guess you could say I have some expertise in the area, but I, I, I'm really going to come from this, from the, really from the Word of God, because uh, that's really the ultimately what really matters. And although th this is not a science message, so if you're freaking out going, I don't know any science, <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I will have some science elements, but the Word today is really more about what it says. Uh, in our lives and all of Earth's history, understanding age and time is important to us. And you might go, really? Really? And I hope today that you will leave with a sense that, that in creation, God makes all things new. And he can do all new things in our lives. And, um, and I, that's, that's the goal today. So as we talk, um, I'm going to talk about Kronos time. Now, Rick had discussed a few months back, he had a message on Kairos time, if you remember, who was here for that message? Anybody? Well, not too many. Okay, well, I'll now explain. Kairos, um, Kairos has to do with memorable moments. In other words, points in time in our lives where God may have done something really significant, something that has really meant something to you, that life-changing, something that is just, uh, that you will never forget, really. Uh, points in time where maybe, where you gave your life to Jesus or where you really made a, uh, something tr tremendous uh, when you got married. You know, that obviously, that would be a Kairos moment. I, at least I hope it is. Um, so why should age and time matter to you? First of all, there's really three facets to Kronos time. When I, okay? Um, and it's actual, number one is it's actual clock time. Okay? So if you, if you look at your, I have a smartwatch. Sometimes it's almost too smart. Um, <laughs> But, you know, you can't argue, I mean, you cannot any longer use the excuse, oh, I, I was late because my watch stopped, or my, you know, my watch was late, or I had to wind my watch. How many of you have even remembered how to do that? You can't use that as an excuse anymore because all our clocks, including your, your phone, everybody has a phone. I, I, I'm sure 100% of you would raise your hand if I said you have a phone, and your phone has a clock, and that clock is set to your carrier's time, and that carrier's time is set to an atomic clock. So you know the time exactly down to a second, okay? So you, we have no excuse any longer to not know the time or even to be late, okay? So. Message of yeah, right. All right, so. Yeah. <laughs> so Kronos time, oh, first of all, is at the actual clock time. Secondly, it also represents a timeliness of an event, okay? The timeliness of an event. In other words, well, church started on time. And we're pretty good here about starting church on time. Uh, you might say then that we would be timely, right? That's the timeliness of an event. Uh, if any of you have direct deposit for your paycheck, you, I can guarantee you you're making sure that that deposit is made on time. Right? That's important that you're, you know, that's, that happens. Um, so that's an example of represent something that is timely, an event. Um, and the third thing is it also represents the total span of measured time. And this is where things might get a little bit murky, and I will get into this. For example, measured time has to be observed. That's very important. So... I was born on, you know, 60 years ago, actually February 7th, right around noon on February 7th, 1959. So I am 60 years and plus months, all right? Uh, and so how do I know that? Well, my mom was there. And there's also, I also have a, a, a birth certificate that has the time in which I was born. So somebody actually witnessed it, stamped it, and so there was an actual time. And so therefore, my age, right, my actual age, then what is what? 60 years and a few months. Um, and so now, but the age, ah, I know my age. 
because I know the total time in which, from which I was born because it was measured. That is very important. So where we get into trouble is where we assign time or age um, based on something that is perceived as a, an age. For example, if you go to garage sales, I don't go to garage sales, but I think maybe some of you do, and maybe you look for antiques, and you might uh, look at something and say, ah, I see this old rocking chair. Um, and you might assess by your perception of that 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 rocking chair is 100 years old. And, uh, and so you assign what? You assign an age or you assign a time to that particular piece of, of furniture. And uh, is, is that a reality? Is that a truth? Well, in your mind, if you're an expert on antiquities, um, you might say, yes, I, I know that. But even if you did, do you know for sure? Well, not unless somebody actually has a date in which that chair was made to verify the age of that chair. Otherwise, it's largely just your in interpretation of age that assigns a time to that event or that, that piece of furniture, right? I think you see where I'm heading here. Um, so I'm going to show you and hope to show you today why age and time are important to us as Christians and how we should really, how they should affect our faith and really our hope. Okay? So, um, oh, you got the next slide up already. Oh, great. Thanks. We, do we have a, um, a, like a thumbs up, thumbs down kind of a, how do we, should we do this? I'll just, okay, I'll just kind of wave or something when I want you to go on. All right. Um, I hope you can read these. So there's a, a number of really good scriptures here. Um, so, you know, many times over the years, I've heard people say that, that God is, you know, outside of time. How many of you ever heard that? That, oh, God is outside of time. God is not outside of time. God is not bound by time. But he is not outside of time. Um, and we've, I've even heard that they say that God doesn't really care about time. Um, God definitely cares about time. Again, Jesus, well, think about it. When Jesus went up to the fig tree and cursed the fig tree, why did he do that? Well, it was time for that fig, fig tree to be what? Producing figs. And when he got up to it, he saw nothing but leaves. And so Jesus said, you know, he thought time was important because he knew that that was time for that fig tree to produce and it wasn't producing. He says, gone with you. And the, the, of course the disciples then were amazed when the fig tree withered. Um, so, yeah, time is a little bit important. Let's look at some other scriptures here. There's Proverbs 15.23. A man has joy in an apt answer. And how delightful is a timely word. A timely word. How many of you have received you know, a prophetic word or a word from somebody that was timely, that came at just the right time in your life? Do you think that was an accident? No. There's, that, do you think God thought that time was important for you to hear that word? At just that time? Absolutely it was. Time is important. How about Proverbs 25:11? Like apples in, of gold and settings and silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. I, I know Jared, actually you gave that word in an elders meeting, I think, like just about a week ago. Um, a, a word spoken in right circumstances. What, the circumstance has to, is an event in time, right? It's still part of Chronos' time. And so that word becomes important in that circumstance. And there are times when God gives word in right circumstances. Val's word today was powerful. That is a powerful word in what? In a right circumstance. That was important in, in a time frame that that, that that word was spoken to us. 1 Timothy 6, 14 and 15, that you keep my commandments without strain or reproach. Stain or reproach, not strain. I'm, I'm always thinking about strain. That's what I do in my day job. Um, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper, at what? The bring it about at the proper time. So it's, we see that over and over again through scripture. First Peter 5, 6. Humble, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you when? At the proper time. Um, so, you know, sometimes God's proper time doesn't always align with our proper time. And that's where sometimes we, get, we can get frustrated with God. And I'm going to give you a really kind of almost, I think now, when I think about it, kind of a humorous uh, example, um, because 
uh, he says, behold, it's just, in Luke 1.20, this has to do with Zacharias and Elizabeth. Remember when the angel came to Zacharias that he would have a son? Um, and he didn't believe. I'm going to go, share this in another context in a little bit later. But he said, he's not, you're not going to speak now until these words have been fulfilled at the proper time. Okay? And lastly, uh, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. You know, in the New Testament, the op- word opportunity um, is a Greek word that actually means time or epoch. It actually is a timely, it's a timely event. And so when you see opportunity, it's, it's God saying, make the most of the time. Make the most of the time of given. And, and that's what God's calling us to do. That's what a wise person does, is makes the most of the time. So if we must understand that um, it's vital that we understand that time is really important to the Lord. Okay? When you think about growth, we're in a pos- posture of growth in this season, a dwelling place. Right? Um, we're going to be, later in, in a few months, I think we're going to be sending out surveys about growth so you can monitor your own growth. I mean, we've all probably had those little uh, strips or markers on some post on a, in a house somewhere watch, where we measure our kids, right? And so we can see how much they've grown as they've aged. You know, we've always enjoyed doing that. And w- growth, what, takes time, right? It, it's in, it, it just takes time. So time is important in every facet of our lives. All right. Um, so let's go to the next slide. Here's the biggie. Romans 5, 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, did you ever think, you know, why Jesus was born when he was born? Um, you know, why was it, why was it 2,000 years ago? I always, I mean, I'm fascinated by this. Um, can you go to the next slide? So there's a number, you know, there's actually dozens, I think we're all aware of this, there's dozens of prophetic words about Jesus' appearing and coming in the Old Testament. And I, I just pulled out some that actually had to do with a time, I mean, a, 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 that kind of focused the time at when Jesus would appear. And like the first one, that, uh, that he would hang on a pole, which really referred to a cross, and, and he would be gazed upon. In other words, he would literally be hanging on a cross, and there's a number of scriptures. I'm not going to go through all these scriptures, uh, but if you want to write them down for your own, you can do that. But, uh, you know, crucifixion um, began with Alexander the Great in about 325 B.C. And so when you think about that, and then it extended really through the entire Roman Empire, that went to like, I think, 475 or 476 AD. So you're looking at about 800 years in which crucifixion was a way of, 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 you know, doing away with somebody, killing somebody. And so really, when you think that that scripture um, back in the Old Testament, so it's putting a time frame at what Jesus would appear. And the thing that even nails it down even more is that he would come onto the scene before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which was 70 AD, which knocks another 400 years off that window. And so you can see we're starting to refine the time. And there's other things, you know, that would probably preclude him from coming today. Obviously, crucifixion isn't something that would happen today. What is it? Um, that he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. I mean... That's a, that's a pretty narrow period of time. I mean, if he was entering Jerusalem today, you know, he might be on the back of a, a, a you know, a, a convertible or something. You know, like, it's, you know, it just, it's, not, it's different. You know, there's, so there's a time frame there. It kind of narrows the time. Um, he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, which would later be used to, uh, to purchase the potter's field. There's a, clearly, using pieces of silver, and specifically 30 pieces of silver, is a time frame, and it narrows things down. I'm going to skip on uh, the next one, because that's really, oops, no, don't go back, please. Thank you. Um, that John the Baptist, you know, once, you know, proclaiming in the wilderness. 
I mean, I think today if, if somebody said, oh, yeah, there's a guy out there proclaiming in the wilderness, this guy Jesus, and people go, well, really? Okay. But, you know, it was a different mindset back then. It was a different thing, and God knew all that, that he would be born in Bethlehem, and he would be coming out of Egypt. Remember, he had to flee, flee to Egypt because of the, they were killing, um, Herod was killing all the kids two years and younger. And what are the odds of that? And that he would be worshipped by shepherds. I mean, again, today, I mean, he would be worshipped by investment bankers. It, it just doesn't have the same ring to it. You know, it just wouldn't work. And really, if anybody has seen, there's, a, there's actually a documentary on the Bethlehem Star, an interest by an astronomer, and he narrowed down the time at which these events was down to three days. Down to three days. So all these things in history, and yet none of them are probably more important than the one I haven't even discussed yet, that he would be born of a virgin in the lineage of Abraham. Now, if you go through the lineage, Mary was, at, was the lineage of Abraham, but she married a man who was the lineage of David. And, and together, they, were, you know, they meet all the lineage of all this and fulfill all the scriptures. But you know, more, more importantly, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke 1, uh, starting in verse 32, I want to read, this is really important, because it just, it, it, I marvel at the, the incredibleness of this, because, you know, when mankind sinned in the garden, you know, we forfeited, you know, God gave man authority in all the earth. It was God's heart and desire for man to rule the earth and to have complete authority in all the earth. And when we sinned, when man, Adam and Eve sinned, we forfeited that authority and Satan took it. You know, and God could have at that time just you know, wiped everything out and started from scratch. But at, he started into motion recognizing that in order to win that back, somebody had to die on our behalf. And so he started the course, but in order to do that, he, rec- he knew that he had to, it had to be through another person. That his seed, God, the seed of God, had to be born of a virgin. And he was waiting for all eternity up to that point to find a woman who would be willing to carry and say, yes, Lord. Let's read. In verse 32, in Luke 1, he will be great. He's speaking, I mean, the angel is speaking to Mary. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him his throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Could you imagine Mary just hearing this, going, phew? And Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I am still a vir- I'm a virgin. You know, that's, the, that, that's just absolutely remarkable when you think about it. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And listen to Mary's response. Behold, the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. You know, that's one of the most powerful statements in the scriptures because, and this is the thing about time, because the odds for all these events, and then God had to wait for someone who was willing to say, let it be done according to your word. Because God would not go against a person's will. He's not, gonna, he's not going to impregnate someone who isn't, who hasn't given themselves and said, yes, Lord, let it be done according to your will. And to know that that would happen at the same time that all these events are fulfilled is, is an absolutely remarkable thing. And the odds, I mean, people have worked on odds on all these things, like winning the lottery seven times is, would, be more, would be easier than all these things being fulfilled at this time. So, I think the Lord would love us to have the same attitude as Mary and say, yes, Lord, as you wish. Um, and, you know, the Lord says, make the most of every opportunity of the time because, what, the days are evil. 
you know, God's heart is that we fulfill our destinies, and we need to grow. Um, we need to, and of course, growth takes time. So the, the point I wanted to make up to this point is that time is important. Timeliness is important to God. And what about age? Let's go on to the next slide. Total time, I already said, is equal to age. I said I was 60, and that can be verified because I know there's the beginning. It was observed, and the end was observed. Not, well, not the end. Up to the today. I've got to be careful what I say here. Wait. The end will be observed by someone. So, you know, when someone, it, someone has to be present to measure time from the outset of an occurrence. I said that. So age is evaluated, oftentimes, by perceptions and opinions based on philosophical ideas and a worldview, if, indeed, we have no way to measure from the beginning. You know, and if you look at secular t- time in terms of geologic time, then 99.9999999% of all of history has never been observed. And yet we see men, I mean, if you go and take classes in my own department, they will say factually ages of the earth, factually things about macroscopic evolution and where we have arrived from, factually, and, and assign ages to these events. And this is where we really get into trouble. So, I want to say that creation radically alters the apparent age, and therefore, the time that is assigned to an event. So let's look at how the world, or the secular world, sees the view of time and age. So, there was a big bang, nobody really knows or can really explain fully how that happened or why, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious. You can laugh if you want. Okay. <laughs> then some t- 10 billion years later, the Earth is formed um, somehow, and yet they, nobody really knows really how. They, I mean, there's all kinds. You can ask a, a thousand different astronomers, and you'll get a thousand different answers. Um, and then four and a half billion years later, man comes on the scene. And um, man, I'm talking about, you know, the evolved man to, to, to where he can actually stand and actually have a conversation and think, okay, um, about the last 50,000 years or so. Okay, so the, I just want you, to, I want you to get this picture in your mind because this is the idea. And again, um, none of these events or times were observed. So all these ages that we're seeing are based on what? are based on observations and interpretations, based on a philosophy or a worldview, okay? Not based on truth. All right, so, um, the next slide. Now, there's an often, even Christians, and this is the thing I want to really hopefully make clear, because there's a scripture in 2 Peter 3.8, and it says, do not... Let this one fact escape you, or escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And I've heard um, many Christians basically, uh, you know, use this as, you know, th- that's how, you know, the earth is really old. Because really God does, you know, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. I think we've already address the issue of time and that time is important to God. This scripture really has to do with God's mercy and grace to the unsaved. And that God is constantly drawing us and being patient with us. And, you know, it's, he'll wait a thousand years if we'll just come to know him. That's what the scripture is referring to. It has nothing to do with physical age or, the, or God's flippant attitude about time. And so let's make sure that we don't you know, misuse that scripture. Many Christians, unfortunately, use this to apply theories of the earth about the age of the earth, and they use it to, you know, I guess, justify their opinion that the earth is old. Um, And I think this is a big mistake, and I want to explain why. So let's move on. So even if you are not a scientist, and I know many of you are not, 
But for those of you who are, okay, good. Uh, understanding the age of the earth is important. And, and this is why I, I want to point out, this is really important. Okay, first, yes. An old earth philosophy devalues the word of God. Unfortunately, today, most Christians hold to a theistic evolution idealism. <laughs> that sounds big and maybe... Uh, so what it really means is that they have concluded that, the, again, the earth is 4.6 billion years old and the universe is 15 billion years old as secular scientists have agreed upon. They use what's called eisegesis. Maybe some of you who study this stuff know what that is. It's really interpreting the Bible and, and by reading it into one's own ideas. In other words, to make, this, uh, to make their conclusions. That is, they use scientific explanations to interpret scripture instead of exegesis, which is using the Bible to interpret the science. Now, scientists really, that I talk to, just really crinkle their, I mean, they just get all bent out of shape over that. <laughs> because why? They say, well, but the Bible's not a science book. And I say, no, it's not a science book, but it is a history book. It is a very accurate history book. And there are things that, in history that point to events and how things happened and, and transpired. Okay? That's important. So, what happens then when people use eisegesis is then they're really putting science ahead of the Bible. As soon as you say, take the scientist point and say, yeah, we have to, you can't, you have to prove the Bible with good science. We devalue the word of God. Second one, if you believe the earth is old, you don't believe in God's word concerning sin and death. This is a biggie. So because if the earth is billions of years old, then it means that animals were created and destined to die for hundreds of millions of years, approximately half a billion years, for no apparent reason. You could argue then we just serve a sadistic God. Let's look at the scriptures and say what the scriptures have to say about this, though. Let's move on. So, look at this. So, God created all things, including the earth, for man. That's the conclusion. God created all things, and he created the earth for man. So, it is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens. Now, I, I want to, if any, you're a physicist, it's really important because the stretching out of the heaven in, in our scriptures that talk about it like a tent curtain, and it is so, there's so much truth built into those statements about how the universe expanded by God's hand and his word and in in just how it occurred. It, it fits astronomy to a T. Okay, I'm not going into that today. I'm, I told you I wasn't talking about science. Okay, so... Well, let's kid. I stretched out the heavens with my hands and I ordained their host. Colossians 3.1. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. Everything has been created by him, through him and for him. All right. Um, let's go on to the next one real quick. Now, don't read that yet. Um, <laughs> I bought a new car yesterday, okay? I'm very, it's, it's exciting. Now, what is the purpose of buying a car? To spend money? No, and it's not to spend money. To drive, right? To drive it. Now, if I bought a new car and I parked it in my garage for five years, what would you say? I mean, you go, that's, that's, that's crazy. The whole purpose of the car is to drive it, right? Let's, now we can read the scripture. Isaiah 4, this is my one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. 45, 18 says, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, we've already determined that, right? He is the God who formed the earth and made it, formed the earth. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. That is so vital. God created the earth, to be inhabited, he wanted a place for man to dwell, for him to have relationship with man and a place to dwell with man. 
In fact, he was so excited about us before even the earth was made that he couldn't wait to make the earth. He couldn't wait for man. I mean, he couldn't wait for the earth to be formed and to create a garden for him to create man and put him, put him there and have a relationship with mankind. So do you see the problem now with the secular worldview? Why in the world would God wait 4.6 billion years to put man on it if his whole intention, the whole reason he created the earth was for us, to have relationship with us? You wouldn't do it any more than I would sit, let my new car sit in the garage for five years. You just wouldn't do that. It's, it's just God, God's been so in love with us. He created the earth for us. Let's go on to the next slide because Scripture reveals that the earth is young. And remember, we talked about sin and death. It, it, remember I said that the second point, if you believe in an old earth, then you're, you're not in line with the, what, the, what the Word says about sin and death. Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And secondly to this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Death originated with man. Death originated with man. Before man, there was no death. Before Adam sinned, there was no death. Because remember, and this is important, man had authority in all the earth. There would have been no animals dying if Adam had not sinned. Animals would have lived forever just like Adam and Eve would have lived. So, so where does the fossil record, where does that place the fossil record then? After sin. Not hundreds of millions of years before man came on the scene. It had to happen after man sinned. Because death spread to all, not only mankind, but all of animals, all of earth. Okay, next scripture. Keep going. Yep, next one. Ah, Mark 10, 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And you could, well, yeah, I could, you know, cats and dogs, you know, scorpions and what, spiders. No, he's referring to man and women because he was referring to marriage. The scripture is referring to marriage. If you go back and look at it, so he's referring to man and women. And from the beginning of creation, from the beginning of creation, he made them man, male and female. So now, if we look at this, let's look now. Next slide. Uh, yeah, we have a couple more points we need to cover. So, You've probably all heard of Charles Darwin. If you've had science, if you had a biology class somewhere along the way. Um, Secular humanists teach that survival is dependent upon our adaptation, survival of the fittest to our environment, and basically uh, being tougher than everyone else. Okay, that's how we survive. That's how things ultimately, I guess, evolve. Um, humans, according to scientists, are also animals that follow this evolutionary pattern of survival. Yet Jesus teaches us that whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and that, they, that we should love our enemies and do good to those who persecute us. Aren't those things kind of, philosophies kind of in contrary to one another? You know, if, if survival of the fittest is so good, we're all, you know, people are, seem so concerned with global warming and sea level rise that the coastal cities are going to drown. Frankly, if you're an evolutionist, you should say, hallelujah, I'm, I'm tougher. I'm, I don't live on the coast. I'm not going to drown with the rest of them. <laughs> really, that's the philosophy we think, right? But gave, God gave us a different spirit. Let's go on to the next one. If you believe in an old earth, you don't believe in the need for a savior because ultimately death is a natural outcome, not a spiritual one. That is... It's not the result of man's sin. This suggests that we don't need a savior because we really didn't die of sin, but simply it's just part of the natural process, natural evolutionistic process. Hence, Christ's death becomes empty 
meaningless rhetoric. Let's go on to the last one. If suffering and death are intended outcomes, there's really no hope or purpose in life. Suffering and death become intended outcomes. Um, you know, if, if we're just kind of devalued, we've just devalued the truth of God's word if we believe this, but his omniscient, omnipresent, holy, and perfect nature uh, is, um, suggests something else, doesn't it? So, we don't really believe that God will ultimately judge the world if we believe the old evolutionistic model. And we don't believe that God's going to judge the world because of sin. So what's the purpose of a Savior if that's the case? Right? So you see, um, it's important that we understand the age of the earth. It's important that we understand something about creation. And that's where I want to head now. So let's go on to the next slide. So the Word clearly reveals... Chronos time, I believe. But the eyes are deceived by age, as I pointed out. We can really can be deceived by age, by our own interpretation, by our own worldview attitudes. For this is the biblical model. Okay? And we can argue exactly how many years, but I mean, some people have tried to figure that out exactly, and I don't know if we know exactly precisely about that. But obviously, if man was created at creation... Then we, you know, we've been here, uh, and, and this kind of fits, obviously, where sin and death come into the picture, where organisms die because of sin of man. So let's go on, because now we're going to get into the meat of what I want to talk about. Question mark? That's not a question mark. So obviously, you, you, yeah, you're using an apple. This is why I don't use apples, computers, guys. Yeah, gee. Um, that's supposed to be a not equal sign. Age does not equal total time. Okay? By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. The world was prepared by the Word of God. That what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. You know, scientists have a real hard time with that. I think many of us as Christians probably have a hard time with that. That's really, that's, it, just, it can blow our minds if you really try to think about it, but we have to receive that by faith. You know, creation is really something we have to understand and believe and receive by faith. Because what, what happens in creation is it, it, it messes with age big time. And that's where I want to go. So let's go on to the next slide. And I'm going to give some examples. Way back in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis 2.10, if you get the picture, God had just planted the garden and he put man there. There was no woman yet. And if I were Adam at that time and I was alone, um, I would probably say, Lord, don't take too long. Okay? Don't take too long. But this verse, this interesting scripture comes up. It says, Now a river flowed out of Eden uh, to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. And the name of the first was Pishon, and it flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, and bdellium, which is some aromatic, aromatic resin from some plant, and the onyx stone are there. Now, these are really interesting things. First of all, rivers take time to entrench themselves to form and flow and, and do what they do. It's just, you don't just like, boom, there's a river. Gold and onyx are both formed from hydrothermal processes. Gold can take, you know, gold doesn't necessarily have to take hundreds or thousands of years to form, but onyx does because that's a silicon that, so there's a, it, it's, it forms in layers, and there's, uh, geologists say it can take thousands of years to form an onyx stone, or more. And here, we're at the very beginning of creation, and we've had all these hydrothermal processes. Well, where's the heat coming from? At the, where if this is a new creation on Earth, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about heat. So again, you can say, well, it's not a science book. 
But what we do know is that these things take time. We do know that, and yet we're at the very beginning of creation. So what are we saying? That God can create things to look old. Now, is this... Is it a deception? No, I don't think it's a deception. I think God's showing us here that, hey, I can do this and I have done this. After all, God didn't create man as an infant. He created man as a man, probably, you know, 20, whatever, 20-some years old. Right? He created man a man. So we can't say that you can't, God, you can't do that. So, you know, if you were to look at Adam and say, Adam, you look 20 years old. Oh, no, I'm only seven days old. <laughs> and that's the actual time, isn't it? See where age is deceptive? All right, let's go on to the next slide. This is really good. Jesus turns water into wine. I want to read this. In John chapter 2, it says, On the third day... There was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Everybody knows the story. but um, And then when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with us? You know, I, I don't want to get into all that. That's kind of humorous in itself. But it's a, Jesus said, my hour has not come. And his mother said to his servants, whatever he says, you just do it. Now, there were six stone water pots set there for each of the Jewish custom for purification, uh, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Whew. Jesus said to them, fill up the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim, and he said, draw some out and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him, and when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, it did not know where it, come from, where it had come from. Um, but the bridegroom basically said, you know, everyone you know, serves the... the the, the good wine at the first, and when people have already had too much to drink, then they serve the, you know, the really crappy stuff. <laughs> but he says, nah, you've saved the best for last. You know, good wine, good wine takes time to age. Really good wine takes a long time to age. This wine is how old? 20 seconds, two minutes? <laughs> Do you see what I'm going, where I'm coming here? The age, I mean, if you were to take, if a chemist today could go and, uh, and analyze that wine, he'd probably say this wine is 10 years old. So what is the truth? Creation alters age. That's the truth. Let's go on to the next one. There's some good things here, and I want to um, continue some of these things. But if the angel said to him, now this is, again, this is really, this is almost humorous too. Because him meaning Zacharias, remember Zacharias, and I brought this scripture up earlier, uh, him and his wife Elizabeth are old. She is post-menopausal. I always have to make sure my wife, I get that right, because she keeps telling me menopause is only one day. You're pre-menopausal, you have menopause, and you're post-menopausal. Okay, Elizabeth was post-menopausal. She was old. Her, she probably, her uterus was gone. Okay? All right. He said, do not be afraid. He says, listen, your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him a name, John. You know what I believe? I don't believe that they were praying any longer for a son. I think that ship had sailed. And they knew that. They were probably praying for 30 years while she was in childbearing years. But I can guarantee you that she was no longer praying for a son. She was going, I can't have a son anymore. And yet the angel said to him, or them, your petition has been heard. Now we could argue about the proper time. Right? But obviously God knew what he was doing. And what is the proper time? It's not always our proper time, obviously. Right? But it said you're, you will have a son. So God did some creative thing in Elizabeth beyond what we could even imagine. And again, if a doctor was present, he could verify something has been made new by creation. And of course, Zacharias just couldn't believe, how can this... 
how can this be? He took a scientific approach. How can this be? Oh, because of that, you're not going to speak until the proper time. That's almost humorous to me when I think about it, right? But creation changes and alters age. Let's, you know, before we go on to the next one, um, I've, I've been reading a lot of Randy Clark, and I don't know if some of you read Randy Clark. You know, he's, a, he's a, got a tremendous gift of healing. And he's got a book, it's called Eyewitness to Miracles. Has anybody read that, Eyewitness to Miracles? Well, it's a book where this doctor, this doctor from the University of Indiana approached Randy and said, I want to document how, you know, this the healing by prayer. And I mean, actually, physical documentation where he gets the records of the people who were ill or sick or had some kind of chronic condition beforehand, got prayer, was healed, and, and he wants to document all this. All the other people that he, uh, this doctor approached said, there's no way, well, I'm not gonna, I can't do that. And Randy goes, oh yeah, yeah, sure. And there's a whole book, again, on the, all these documented miracles. And I, the, you know, the one I just want to point out is very similar to one in the Bible, where uh, there was a guy, this, I think he's like 30 years old by this time, and he had n- no optic nerve. His, his eyes were, were like, because of some acid got in his eyes at a very young age. He, his eyes were just white with nothing but um, scar tissue. He had no retinas, no lenses, no pupils, nothing. The optic nerve was completely gone in his eyes. It was just white. And this was documented. And the guy goes to a healing thing of Randy Clark's, and he's, you know, just as one example, he's just miraculously healed, and he was, he was given eyes, and he had eye color and perfect everything. And, of course, he went back to his doctor, um, and it was when his doctor saw him, it was just like the Pharisees in the Bible with the guy born blind. Who did this? How could this be? How is this possible? And he examined him, and he, he, was, he was even doubtful it was the same person. And he examined him, and he looked at his eyes, and he said, you have the perfectly normal eye of a 30-year-old. You can see perfect, but it, he is a 30, like a 30-year-old eye, but it, it's perfect health. That is several days old. So the doctor, by his philosophy and understanding, said, yeah, you have a 30-year-old eye. I mean, if he didn't know, he would have said, you have a 30-year-old eye. But he had a several-day-old eye. Creation alters age. In creation, all things are made new. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed, the new things have come. A lot of people give their spiritual age, right? When, our, your, when you gave your life to Jesus. Why? Because what? That's when your spirit has been made new. And, you know, it, God is able to renew our spirit. He's able to regenerate our souls and create anew any area of our flesh that needs healing. The flesh is actually the easiest for Jesus to heal. Why? Because it really even doesn't require our cooperation. God can heal us. You know, there's another Randy Clark example. There's a cop that came in because his son wanted him to come. The guy, the cop had need of healing. And the cop did not believe. He was reluctant. He didn't want to go at all. And and the son came up to Randy and said, will you pray for my dad? His dad was scoffing. And Randy goes, I don't even know if I want to pray for the guy. Randy starts preaching. The, The guy gets miraculously healed. Was he cooperating in the healing? No, not at all. And yet, you know, he recognized that God did something great. So the flesh, in God's eyes, is actually the easiest thing to restore. And yet we often make it the most difficult. You know, next slide. We're almost done. Creation gives us hope. You know, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, be- created beforehand. Beforehand meaning before the world was even formed. God, we are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
that we would perform works for him, that we have destinies in God that are greater than we could ever hope or imagine. And in Colossians 2, you know, put on the new self, which is renewed in the image and the knowledge of, uh, according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek or Jew. Let's go on to the final slide here. Um, So no matter how much we think we've wasted our days, our months, years, or even decades apart from God, apart from completing our, what we think might, should be our dreams and our destinies in him, I hope you realize today that it's never too late. God can take an old, worn out, and hope, hopeless person and perform a creative miracle That we, that we will fulfill our destiny. We have to believe that. In creation, age is not a factor. It starts anew. So whether you're on some rotten job, whether you've done some rotten things, God can make it all new. He can start the clock anew today. This is the hope we need to have. This is why we need to believe in creation. We need to say, yes, Lord, let it be done to me, as you have said, because God has a plan for us. He has a destiny for us. It's never too late. We need to have this attitude of faith and hope, and God will accomplish it. He will do it. We have to believe. Time is important. We only have so many days on this earth. That's true, but it's never too late. It's never too late. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you, God, for your creative awesomeness. And I know that, Lord, we've been taught things in our lives. We've been taught things that, Lord, are contrary to your word. And I ask you to forgive us where we've just accepted these things because, Lord, because people are learned or they have a lot of degrees or they have a lot of initials after their names. Or because it's just simply, it's like crowd speak, because it's just the popular thing. Lord, we don't want to walk in the popular thing. We would just want your truth. And the truth is, Lord, that you are able to make all things new. And I'm just believing and hoping, Lord, for each individual here today, that wherever they are, Lord, recognize that it's never too late, Lord, that you are able to do, create, do a creative miracle in their lives, whether it be in their flesh, their soul, their spirit, You're able to make all things new. You're able to allow us to fulfill our destinies, whether we're 10 years old or 80 years old, or I don't want to put a limit on the age. But Lord, you are able to accomplish it, and you will do it. Lord, if we're willing, like Mary, Lord, let it be done according to your word. That's the heart that we need to have. Lord, as we have that heart, Lord, we are assured and we have confidence and we will have hope that you will accomplish it in your time, your perfect time. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.